Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Transform TV podcast series. Today, I'm joined by Leslie Nicholson, who is the Senior Vice President, Supply Chain Operations and Digital Business Transformation at Nestle Canada. Leslie, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Happy to be here. So, Leslie, why don't you maybe start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, um, with my husband, and we have two children. We have a soon-to-be 16-year-old son and a, today, my daughter just turned 13, and a dog. Oh, happy birthday. All of us happy and together in our house during COVID. (laughs) Um, So I work at Nestle Canada as the Senior Vice President of Supply Chain and Digital Business Transformation. I've spent about 17 years with Nestle. Um, but I've also worked for Cargill, for L'Oreal, and for CP Rail. So I have experience with a few different companies and have Quite, spent yeah, a few different industries. Yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, it's been a real gift to be able to work across industries and and have multi market exposure and and just different categories, industries, and even within Nestle, it's, it's like working for multiple companies because we have so many categories yeah. um, that, we, that we play in. So it's, it's always rewarding and it never gets boring. It's a great playground, I always describe it as. Um, well, I, I would, I, you know, with that, we can say it's, it, I'm sure it doesn't get boring, especially in a year like last year or, or in what we're doing now anyway, you know, with this year. Um, let, let me, I mean, you're going to be speaking at the upcoming Transform Live event, and you're going to be joining us to talk about attracting, acquiring, and implementing premium talent to balance technical requirements with supply chain expertise. You're speaking with Ivanka Janssen, who's Philips's chief supply chain officer. So I, I, if you don't mind, I'd like to maybe pick your brain a little bit about leadership and uh, the kind of, um, uh, I don't know, the kind of things that supply chain leaders have been going through in the last year. What's it been like for you this last year? You know, it's um, it seems so common. What's been so interesting is as you talk to different people, their learnings have been so similar. And, and one of the most common things is most will tell you that there's never been a year where they've learned more, um, developed more, and not just professionally, but personally. And we see this, you know, as individuals, with our teams, even with our families and friends. So everyone's really just dis- discovering a lot about themselves and, and their relationships, the working relationships, personal relationships as they've navigated this. And, and I think everyone has learned a lot about leadership as well, whether it's personal or, or team leadership. So it's, um, in some ways, it's been in- incredibly rewarding, which seems very odd to say because it's such yeah. challenging you know, conditions and so much hardship for so many people. But from a learning standpoint, it's been unprecedented. Well, the pace of change and the disruption has been, you know, sink or swim for a lot of leaders, hasn't it? I mean, really, there is no other way to put it. Um, What's been your biggest takeaway? Oh, a couple of them. Um, Probably the biggest one is just it's all about people. And uh, when it comes down to it, when you're in a crisis situation, uh, it's the caliber of your people that uh, really determines how you'll do. Um, even aside from your strategies and, and your infrastructure and all of that, it's the caliber of, of the team and how they show up in a crisis, how your peers show up in a crisis. So that to me was it just became so clear for everyone. Um, 
the other thing I think that was a huge learning was just people showing more empathy and more understanding and more, I call it accessible leadership. And for some that comes quite naturally and for others, uh, it, it doesn't feel as natural because they've been you know, so professional and maybe a bit protected about uh, showing themselves fully to, to their colleagues, their, their uh, partners in the value chain and, and teams. And I really saw that rising to the top and people developing that a lot more this year. That has been to me one of the best aspects of what we've been learning. So, you know, it's funny because before we turned on the camera, you and I were talking about, you know, um, the fact that we are invading people's homes or viewing people in their home environments and this whole professional veneer kind of, you know, comes off when you're seeing someone like you're seeing me, my dog might pass by, you know, kids are around. There's 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 loads of um, it's almost as though that persona that one had at work uh, is sort of different to the persona that we have now. Uh, what was interesting about what you just said was about being more accessible. How does a leader become more accessible remote, you know, whilst being remote? Isn't that sort of a, a bit of a, 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 I don't know, a conundrum of, of sorts? Yeah, and I think it, I, um, it, it's been definitely different. So we, like many, many companies over the course of a weekend flip to, um, for anyone that wasn't working, in the factory or uh, in a distribution center, uh, we flipped to home office over the weekend. So how we were, I'd say physically or virtually accessible um, had to change. But yeah. when, I, when I speak of accessibility, I really mean openness and the making yourself accessible to share. So show yeah. empathy, show vulnerability. And, and be accessible that way. That's really what I mean, even more than uh, being physically accessible or, or just virtually accessible. I, th I think it's probably, I would argue, this is just in my experience, that perhaps maybe we oh. traded off this whole you know, um, uh, proximity for maybe more empathy these days, because I think when we were in the office, you could almost say, yeah, okay, let's have a one-to-one -one meeting, but you never really became emotionally accessible with people. You know, you didn't let your little guard down. Maybe this has given us the opportunity to let our guards down a little bit. Have you found the same or? Absolutely. I mean, even, even just when you're virtually talking to someone, you are coming into their home um, and you're learning a lot about them. So I'm finding that all of our colleagues or even the partners that we deal with, uh, we're learning about each other. Um, so we actually know way more about each other than we did before. You're, you're seeing people, as you mentioned, families, dogs. Um, it's, it's all there for people to see. And I think people have stopped worrying so much about putting this professional guard up, still being professional, but not being so guarded about that. Um, and so I'm, I'm seeing it everywhere. And the other element of it is I find the world, it, it almost is becoming very small because everyone is going through the same thing. And, and when you have a, a common a challenge that you're up against, it brings you together more, whether it's with our customers or suppliers or also our colleagues in other markets. So we've all, I'd say, grown a lot closer in terms of how we work together and also the degree to which we know each other. Hmm. So if you don't mind, let me talk a little bit about, um, as you can see, there's Poppy, she's just arrived. Um, let me talk a little bit about something that's, that I'm passionate about, which is um, diversity, 
bringing together different teams. How do you think that's changed uh, in since since you've been doing supply chain? From bringing together different teams from a diversity perspective, uh, I think anytime you can get different perspectives, different viewpoints, different lenses, it's critical. We really try and focus on you know, an end-to-end -end view. And to have an end-to-end -end view or mindset, it means you need to understand um, other parties' views, their, their understanding of the value chain. And the more that we focus on end-to-end -end and understanding what different stakeholders require, what they value, uh, what's important, how one area affects another, yeah. The more that we focus on that, we automatically become more diverse in our view and almost always come up with a better solution, a solution that makes sense more broadly across the value chain. Otherwise, you have almost you know, unintended consequences where you may make uh, you know, a decision that you think is just fantastic for one area of the value chain, but it has unintended consequences for another. So I think that the diversity of thought and perspective um, and viewpoint is so critical. And do you think that perhaps the fact that we are able to embrace remote working a little bit more will, and, and different hours and sort of a, a more laid back approach, do you think that that could offer the opportunity to bring diversity into the business, into any business? I, potentially, I think, you know, one thing I do miss about being in the office is a lot of the, you know, diversity of thought that you could get exposed to in a very informal way. So when yeah. I would be in the, the office, informality, yeah, the, the and, informal and would, chats, yeah, or you just you just walk around, and when I'm walking by the confectionery marketing team, and then I might you know on my pathway, I then might walk by the nutrition regulatory team, or the import waters, and and when I'm walking by different people in different functions, you stop to chat, you find out what they're working on, what are they challenged with, how they're doing that just organically fueled diversity of thought and perspective that needs to be scheduled now a little bit more it needs to be more I think, structured to have it happen that yeah, that's, that's the very, one very element that we're continuing to work on and look at how do we use you know more modern uh, elements mm -hmm. of collaboration and approaches to collaboration to be able to have those informal connections that just you know, broaden people's lenses and give them give them a, you know, a wider framework to see what's going on. It's a very valid point. I think we do need to schedule it because it, otherwise, I, I don't know about you, but you get busy in one meeting after another digital meeting after another digital meeting. And uh, maybe sometimes we forget to stop and be human for a little bit and humanize things. And so how are you doing and how are things going? And, uh, and that kind of, uh, uh, compassionate leadership kind of thing gets lost because we're so busy doing our jobs every day, right? Um, can, can I talk to you a little bit about technology? Because as a supply chain leader these days, uh, there's just so much hype and noise and talk around technology and digital transformation, which is part of what you do, you know, uh, transformation as well. So uh, how do you, uh, I'm trying to think, how do you look at, say, when you hire people, um, in terms of the skills that they have, you know, it's all well and good to think, oh, I've got to hire data scientists and they've got to have all these amazing skills doing this. But what about the other skills that are needed for leadership today, the what would be called maybe the softer skills? Um, how, how, 
what do you think of balancing those two things together? Do you need to? Yeah, so I think um, very timely question. I'm just actually, I was just reviewing resumes um, this morning because I have a opening for a uh, director of supply chain for a couple of our business units. And so we were spending a lot of time talking about what are we looking for? And I think that's really been, um, that's, I've seen a lot of evolution in that historically and you know even just a few years back it was very much about first of all the the functional competencies of supply chain and then we of course more technical capabilities uh, those technical capabilities continue to elevate what was needed um, i think in many cases we underscored uh, we i'm saying we as as a uh, profession um, underscored the importance of those soft skills and the leadership behaviors and competencies, uh, to me, I place even higher. I will, I will take a, a risk on someone that is a great leader, um, even if they're missing a few of the functional elements that we would traditionally not even look at if they didn't have. I think the other element, you know, and what's interesting about that is as the value chain gets more and more complex, when we look at what our supply chain individuals and, and teams have to do, they're mobilizing resources. And to mobilize, you need to be a strong communicator. You need yeah. to understand your stakeholders. You need to be a good storyteller. You need to be a very clear, crisp communicator. And without those, um, I find you just, you can't take ground with your broad cross-functional audience. When you speak about tech, uh, technology and digital, and we've spent a lot of time on this, and a lot of times people assume as you look through, look at digital acceleration or digital transformation, you know, how do you build digital dexterity? Digital is not technical. In fact, many people that are incredibly technical are not digitally fluid because digital transformation, the key drivers uh, or key competencies to be successful at it as an individual to, to drive that are really far more about the leadership competencies, understanding the end-to-end, -end, understanding the connectivity between the different areas, whether it's internally in your organization or externally as well. Um, and also just understanding the stakeholders and the connectivity of those. So digital is, uh, technology is only one element of digital. The organization uh, design, the competencies, um, the business processes, transforming all of those are just as important in many cases, more important than the technology transformation element of digital transformation. You know, that if you think about how many digital transformation projects fail, I don't think they're failing because the tech didn't live up to, to what they, uh, you know, it was supposed to do. I think it's because they failed, the organizations failed at change management, at taking people with them, at implementing the right processes, getting people to believe in digital as a way of life as a you know as a new way of operating um would you agree with that do you think that that part of the reason why digital transformation projects fail is down to leadership 
I think in it in its most simple form, yes. I think yeah. there's a couple of things that seem to rise up to the top of the list for me. One is um, any digital solution or digital initiative needs to be happening because there's a business problem or opportunity. We don't do digital just to do digital. So it is leadership in a perspective in, in from that standpoint, because you need to define what are you trying to solve for? What are your pain points? What do you need? You know, what do you need to unlock growth in the future? So it's not, you know, a solution for a problem that doesn't exist. And that's why when you, you mentioned and absolutely rightly so is bringing people along with you. That doesn't mean after you've chosen a technology, you've chosen, you know, this is what we're gonna work on. We have a solution. Now we're just gonna tell you how to use it and how it's gonna change your role. That means involving people in what are we trying to solve for as an organization? Involving that, that them in what the potential point. solutions are. It, but it, that goes to your point, which is, you know, if you find a leader that has good communication skills, good leadership skills, they will ask those good questions. They will be asking those questions of what kind of problems am I trying to solve, you know, as opposed to let's just buy, you know, someone perhaps who has more technical know-how might want to buy technology without necessarily asking those questions, the tough questions. So, so you're right, hire for uh, th that skill, the leadership skills, as opposed to the technical ones, because those can be picked up or supplemented, right? Absolutely. And I, you know, what's, what's interesting to me is when we, when we use the word empathy, we often think of it only as, um, oh, I'm showing, you know, almost sympathy or understanding for what you're going through. And we almost always go to the personal side, but right. to show empathy even in a, um, a more structured way, it, it's incredibly prudent because showing empathy to other stakeholders across the value chain means understanding what problems they're dealing with, what they're trying to solve. So empathy, sometimes people think, oh, that sounds a little too soft. It's just incredibly pragmatic as well outside of the personal uh, appropriate side. So. I think that's one that you need to understand the stakeholders. You need to um, have enough empathy to want to be curious about what problems they're trying to solve, what opportunities they have, and work with them on how to solve it, what could be possible. Let's talk about COVID, which is what everybody's talking about these days. Everyone talks about how COVID is fast-tracked transformation and digital transformation. It's been the great accelerator for digital transformation. What it, has it fast-tracked from a leadership perspective in terms of the skills of a leader? You kind of covered a little bit of this before, but I think if we talk about COVID, what has been the effect on leadership recently and what will be the effect you think moving forward? What kind of leader will emerge in this new era? Yeah, I mean, to me, one of the, the greatest common denominators of COVID is none of us had experienced this before. So it didn't matter if you were one year in the organization, you know, one of our newest supply chain team members or someone who spent their whole career in supply chain. Um, this was a new experience. Uh, I think what it really developed is the ability to stay calm in the face of a crisis and the clarity that not everything that happens in a crisis is a crisis. Mm -hmm. So it, you really need to almost keep your bearings straight about what truly needs to be acted on immediately 
and what doesn't, even when you're in this broad, really overwhelming context of crisis. Um, I think the other thing that um, it taught leaders was the being really clear on your priorities is paramount and the whole organization needs to be aligned on priorities. Everyone always says priorities are the most important you need to you just need to do a better job prioritizing. COVID was an example where globally, we set three priorities in a very specific order and that was the what. And there was no denying the what, there was no debating the what, this was the what. First was the safety of our people, our teams yep. and our partners. Second was ensuring supply as best we can and flowing goods to Canadians or whatever market uh, you may be in. And the third was helping our communities. And everything else that we did as leaders or that our teams did showing personal leadership, that was how we approached it. So I think the, the clarity around how much clutter you can remove when you have clear priorities. Now, these are extreme. You won't normally be in a situation where it, it's almost that easy to make those priorities. I mean, those are pretty straightforward priorities, but the power of prioritization and clearly communicating that to the teams and then enabling them to handle the how. Based on those priorities, figure out the how. Um, I think the other thing that a lot of the leaders learned and developed was, um, you know, give your teams license um, and almost the expectation to be creative in their solutions. And if there's waste in the process, just remove it. And so before, if you would normally have had, I don't know, 10 people in a discussion to solve something from six different groups, you know, do you need those 10? We didn't have the luxury of doing that during COVID. And our commitment was don't revert back if it didn't add value. So, so, so I think, sorry, what I was going to say is I think then the, if there's one silver lining of COVID is sort of the, the it fixed the mind on clarity and uh, uh, we had complexity as it was. So therefore, what's the simple way to do things? So combating complexity with simplicity to some degree. Absolutely. And I, I think um, another one that, I mean, and then it's, keeping just keeping that simplicity where you can where you're not trading off effectiveness um, keep the simplicity moving forward uh, where you can the other thing that it's um, maybe more of a softer learning is really listening to the whispers and the ripples because when you start hearing something and then the noise you hear it over here and a little bit over here um, and that ripple, it's like a wave, right? By the time it comes in, uh, it can really take on force. So more and more, we were talking to our teams about listening to the whispers, um, looking for those ripples and not underestimating that. And so what do you think, um, what do you think 2021 is gonna look like? You know, what does it look like for you and beyond? I think uh, 2021, I mean, the unrelenting disruption continues in the, in the value chain globally, um, the volatility, uh, all of that still remains. So I believe 
at least for sure for the first half of 2021, that will continue. Um, you know, we stopped using the phrase hypercare. We were saying, oh, we're still in hypercare. This is almost um, just the paradigm that we're that we're operating in right now. And you know, I, we talk a lot about COVID, but just the 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 frequency of disruption is increasing all the time. Whether it's cybersecurity, um, trade changes, uh, there, there's so many different disruptions that are happening, and that's with that increased frequency you really do need to have a different mindset going forward. I think 2021, that will continue. And just balancing that, you know, that, that dance between being risk balanced and cost optimized. And for many, uh, supply chain was incredibly focused on the cost. And yeah. while that still is very important, you need to balance that with risk and risk mitigation. Um, that will continue as well. Our priorities don't change for this year. Um, some of our initiatives, we parked while we were working on just flowing goods. Um, some of those are coming back into the pipeline for us to work on to make sure that we don't just have both feet in executing today, but we're also uh, curating tomorrow. And that's where it's a, it's a tricky balance yep. between those two when you're still in the conditions we're in. What excites you about supply chain moving forward? Oh, I describe it as the best playground. I haven't always worked in supply chain. I've, I have even more years actually on the commercial side of, the, of businesses and companies with sales and category sales development and marketing. Um, yet I describe this as the greatest playground I've ever uh, played really? in. Absolutely. And I think it's, future leadership in supply chain, it's today and, and even more so tomorrow. I love that it is so end-to-end. -end. You need to understand all of the different um, functions, interactions, connectivity. You you have a pulse on everything going on. And to me, the sky's the limit. If you if you can give, I don't know who could get bored. Um, if, if your organization truly values supply chain, which we're really proud ours does, we are involved in so much in the organization. Uh, there's you know, so much connectivity with the customer. So our supply chain organization and our sales organization are joined at the hip and we have uh, incredibly high interaction with our customers. And that to me is, is very exciting um, that we're so involved in that and that there's just so much opportunity there. Digital excites me, digital transformation excites me. Uh, there's so much that each year there's more things that are possible. And I think everything gets reverse engineered from the consumer. And as the pace of change continues to increase with the consumer, that flows all the way through. Things need to move faster for customers, which means the whole value chain needs to be able to respond quicker. So anything that we can do to increase the transparency and visibility and speed to do concurrent planning and scenario analysis um, and talk to suppliers and customers through digital, it's, it's gonna be necessary uh, to keep up with consumer, which is why yeah. we're all here, consumer or depending industry patient. Um, but all of that excites me. And 
the people and how broad the skill set will have to be and the leadership qualities. I just think that's fantastic and it's exciting. Well, it, it certainly is. Um, I always like to say before I used to tell my neighbors I was in supply chain, nobody understood what supply chain was. Now people know what supply chain is and they're excited about it. It used to be a, a back office function, you know, warehouse or, uh, you know, transportation. That's kind of what people thought of it. And now uh, supply chain leaders are at the forefront of innovation for their businesses, innovation strategy. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, when we go to universities and we speak with students and we talk about supply chain and what it is, and it, it, even in curriculums, I still find sometimes it's very focused on the logistics element or yeah. maybe procurement as well, but it's so much broader than that. And, you know, when you mentioned it used to be a back office function, uh, one of the, one of the most common questions that I find I get asked is, well, how did, how did supply chain get a seat at the table in your company? And pre-COVID even, because I think yeah. now everyone um, yeah. is a bit more familiar with supply chains and their importance. But it was very interesting to me, and I found the same thing in procurement. People would ask, well, how does procurement get a seat at the table? And to me, the answer is always the same. Um, to me, supply chain gets a seat at the table when they have value to add and when they're well-rooted and have clarity around the strategies of the business, the brands, the categories, and they're part of that. So it's not a check the box to be at the table. It's what are you bringing to the table and how are you adding value at the table? And that to me is, is table stakes. Leslie, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a valuable conversation. We look forward to seeing you at Transform Live talking to us and no doubt we'll hopefully see you again very soon. So I want to thank you for this time. Oh, thank you so much. Take care. Stay safe. Yes, likewise to everybody and to everybody watching at home. Thank you for tune, tuning in to Transform TV. We will be seeing you very soon. Thank you.